Welcome to the 1000 Hours Outside Podcast. My name is Ginny Urich, and I am so excited for today's guest, Samantha Skeet. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Ginny, for having me. I'm so excited, too. This is awesome. This is your first podcast, right? First podcast. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's a milestone. So we've actually been connected, I think, for years and years. And so it's such a gift to actually finally meet for a quick second in person. We had our videos on and then our videos off because Samantha lives off grid and it's better for the internet. But Samantha is the founder of For the Love of Homeschooling and she puts out amazing content for parents, for homeschoolers. And so I'm so thrilled that you're here. I think we've maybe known of each other for years. Would you think? I think so, about three or four years at least. At least, at least. So I've been following along for a long time, getting so much encouragement. And then last night, preparing for this, I did a little bit more of a deep dive into your life. And it is a fascinating one. You're currently living in 350 square feet with a family of seven. Can you just take a little bit of time and tell us about your journey there? Sure. Yeah. Um, So we've always kind of like loved the country lifestyle, all of that stuff. And then about three and a half years ago, we... We really felt the call to go further in our country living adventure. And so for years, I'd been dreaming about and praying about living off grid, building our own home one day, but the doors just never opened up. And then about three and a half years ago, right before the whole COVID thing, well, I guess right after it had started, we ended up finding a piece of land way up in Northern Canada um, that was pretty remote. And we just started building our little home and we are building an addition. We're not super crazy to want to stay in 350 square feet with seven people. But yeah, it's been awesome. I mean, it is absolutely incredible, Samantha. And if people want, you send out an email that has some information about what you're doing and your Instagram has a little bit of information too. But Mm -hmm. um, if people want to find that, they can go to your website, which is fortheloveofhomeschooling.com. Or you have that Instagram handle, but also at this growing life. I know you don't use it all the time, but people can get a sense of what you have going there. So talk to us about being off grid. I mean, you're talking about no electricity. I mean, what's this been like? So yeah, so for the first year and a half, we had no electricity. We hauled in water just in big jugs. And that was that was how we lived. And it's funny because my husband, he's originally from um, Trinidad and Tobago. And so he somewhat grew up in a little bit of a more remote lifestyle with not as many conveniences as we have here. Mm-hmm. And so for him, it brought back a lot of memories. But for me and the kids, it was all like brand new. Like we'd never not had running water or not, you know, just been able to turn on a light switch or plug in a laptop, right? Wow. And so for the first year and a half, that's how we lived. Eventually we did get our solar hooked up. So now we do have solar so we can kind of have a little bit more normal (laughs) power situation going on. And we got a well in a year and a half ago. So now we have running water, which is lovely (laughs) because boiling water on the wood stove, well, but like the novelty was nice for a while. Eventually, you know, it's nice to just turn on a tap. Well, sure. So you were using that boiled water for baths. Yeah, everything, everything. (laughs) That's incredible. And you'd have to drive 30 minutes. Oh yeah, it was it was a good drive to there's a spring about 30 minutes away from us, like a natural spring where we would go and we would fill up our jugs. And so yeah, it, it's been an adventure and it's been it's been great. I mean, it's such a cool thing because so many people live pretty much exactly the same way and you have this completely different experience as both a mom and then for your kids. 
So tell us about your family. I mean, when you're going to get water, you're not getting water for two people or three people. You're getting water for seven. Yeah. So it's myself, my husband, and our five kids that are age 16 to two. And so you've got a good span in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of people to boil water for bass for and things like that. So it was... It was a lot of work, yeah. a lot more work than I think you, you kind of have an idea of what it'll be like, mm-hmm. but you don't know until you're actually in it. And you're like, man, this is a lot of work. It, give, it definitely gives you an appreciation for the modern conveniences that we have and for all the generations before us who didn't have those, right? Wow. Yeah. To actually live that way for an extended period of time and really to get a sense of what it was like. Yeah, that's incredible. So how have the kids adjusted? What did you move from before? So we lived in, we lived like a fairly large farmhouse. We were still out in the country and so they still had wide open spaces. So that part hasn't really changed a lot, but the space, the space is definitely a lot smaller. And I've shared little bits on this growing life of like the behind the scenes of what that looks like, but they honestly, they love it. They love being able to be outside. They are very like they love being in nature all the time. And so even though the house is small, they're always outside. They're always, you know, building things or coming up with new, we have a pond on our property. And so they're always like catching frogs or all of those types of things. And they all have adjusted really well and they really enjoy it. Oh yeah. I mean, the videos are just stunning. So you have, no, I don't know if this is the same that you currently have, but I saw a video where there was a triple bunk bed yes. situation and it's like right in the kitchen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So we have just like one wide open room, which is like kitchen, living room. And the boys, uh, we have four boys, one daughter and our daughter's the oldest. So she gets the loft all to herself. And then the three middle boys, they have a triple bunk bed that's right, just right off the kitchen, like right in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we have a little room that is where my husband, myself and our two-year-olds, that's like our bedroom. Aww. <laughs> That's so incredible. So what's the addition going to be like? The addition is going to be very spacious. My husband's a contractor by trade. And so we're doing it all ourselves. He built the house and then we are working very, very slowly on doing all the finishes. We we think we'll probably be able to move in there and probably not for another year or two, um, just because it's a slow process when we're doing it all ourselves. But it's going to be much bigger. All the kids, all the older kids will have their own bedroom, which they're looking forward to. Wow. So you have had just this completely unique lifestyle change. And like you said, it's been probably harder than you thought. I read a post or something somewhere where your water boiler broke. Yeah, that was in the middle of winter. In the middle of the coldest part of winter, of course, right? That's when it had to go. It was minus 50 for a solid week and a half and our pump completely broke. And so we do have a wood stove in the tiny house. But when it's minus 50, the wood stove doesn't really, it doesn't cut it. And so our wood boiler just, the pump broke. And so my husband was out there in like minus 50 degree weather trying to fix it. And eventually we were able to get a new pump in and get it all switched out. But yeah, that was, we were all just huddled up in the loft for about a week. Wow. But you made it through that. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. And we look back now and it's like, we had good memories, right? Like it, yeah. it's funny. You, while you're going through it, things, sometimes they seem harder, but when you look back at it, it's, it's, I don't know, we try to remember the good parts and yeah, a little bit of an adventure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. What a story. It's so cool. And then you'll post, I've seen some of them. You see so much wildlife up there. We do. That's one of our favorite, our favorite parts of being up here from just the bears and the moose. One of our favorite was we were driving just down the road from our home and we saw a a moose with two calves and she just, 
they're so tame. Like she looked at us, we weren't far, like we weren't too far away from where she was. And they just let us watch them for, I don't know, maybe a good five minutes before they decided to <laughs> decide maybe we were too nosy, <laughs> but wow. yeah, it's, it's beautiful. We have lynx and wolves and black bears, and we do have five Rottweilers, which do keep mm. the wildlife from getting too close, <laughs> which is nice. Mm-hmm. Five. So it's seven people, five dogs, and some cats, right? Yes. Oh, my daughter loves cats. All the kids really like cats. I'm allergic, and so they're not. They wouldn't be. They wouldn't be my pet of choice. But yeah, the kids. It's so many animals. I saw a video where you saw a bunch of fox pups. Yeah. Oh, that was so fun. We have. There are tons of. Uh, we often see fox up here. And so that was, I think that was not this spring, but the spring before where we were on a drive and there was a mama fox. I think there was about nine pups there. It was pretty cool. What a thing to see. So what is your long-term plan? Are you fairly self-sufficient there? We are. We are. Yeah, we're fairly self-sufficient. We are. This year, we really worked on getting our garden going. Last year, um, I don't know if you saw that video. Last year, I spent so much time planting, but our soil is very clay heavy. Okay. Only for like practically nothing came up last year. And so this year we built some raised beds, we brought in some soil. And so we have a, we have a pretty decent garden this year, which is nice. Um, I planted a little bit too many tomato plants. So we're going to be up to our eyeballs in tomatoes in a few weeks, but (laughs) canning for days. So just a self-sufficient off-grid. I wonder what percentage of people, like, do you know many people that live off-grid? I don't, the only other person I know of Mm -hmm. that's not even really a friend of mine is this Dr. Carla Hannaford who wrote these different books Mm -hmm. and she lives off grid. But besides her and you, I don't know anybody else. Yeah. There's honestly, when we, we kind of had this idea that we were leaving kind of, we lived in a more, the more Southern part of Ontario before. So country living was common, but there's also lots of, you know, big cities nearby. We were only about an hour and a half from Toronto. And so when we came up here, we had this idea in our minds that like, the lifestyle that we were seeking would be pretty common, but it's not even up here. Like when people, a lot of people look at us a little, <laughs> they raise their eyebrows a little bit. They're like, why are you guys off grid? Why do you live like, you know, so far back in the middle of nowhere? And we're like, well, come and see. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and do they, do people come and visit? Yeah. We've had people come and just kind of see what they're like. out of curiosity. We'll get people that come up the trail every once in a while on their ATVs and whatnot, just because our, we're not on a main road. And so you can't really get here too easily with a normal vehicle. You need at least a four by four. And so We'll get curious people coming to see what it is we're doing. And when we go into town, there's always time to talk and have conversations, which is, which is nice because it's, it's honestly, it's such a freeing lifestyle. It really is like, there are definitely challenges and you have to be up for those, but it's nice. And it's kind of funny. uh, Someone who I met on Instagram, she, after kind of like us chatting and she was asking me all these questions about living off grid, they ended up buying a piece of land and we found out later after they purchased it that they're only about 45 minutes away from us and they're doing the whole off-grid thing too. So that's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah, to have a friend doing it with you. Yeah. That's incredible. 45 minutes isn't that far. Yeah. So has this been a thing, Samantha, where you you have to make all of your own decisions? You have to figure all of it out. Yeah. Well, my husband, <laughs> he, he does most of the hard thinking for me. <laughs> but yeah, we we definitely work together to try to figure out like how we were going to do things. We have done a lot of research and talked to like, not people who necessarily live off grid, but 
people who per, like have like a cottage off grid or things like that. And so we've been able to get a lot of insight about that from people like that. Wow. Cause even things like, where are you going to put your tiny house? How are you going to set it up? Yeah. You figured it all out. Yeah. Well, thankfully my husband, he's a contractor. So he built houses for a living for 10 years prior to us coming up here. And so he has a good bit of knowledge of those kinds of things. So we ended up putting the tiny house right up on a rock. And so wow. it was fun to do. And then that's like in the Bible. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's really cool. They built upon the rock. You did. That's really awesome. Well, what a life. If people want to learn more about that, and I'm sure they will, it's very intriguing. They can find you on Instagram. And like I said, I know you don't post a ton about your homestead there, but it's at this growing life. But you have an email list for that too that people could sign up for. Well, we can, you and I connected over homeschooling. Yes. So this is also a part of your off grid living is that you homeschool. And I always say, you know, not everybody that listens to the podcast homeschools, but I think they do. Like I think everyone homeschools at least a little bit absolutely. because all the time that your kid is home, I feel like homeschooling is just parenting extended. So everyone's homeschooling a little bit. And if you've got a two-year-old, you're homeschooling. And if you, you know, that's what's going on. So there's premises and principles from these conversations. I think that are helpful for all parents. But then also, I think it's good sometimes to encourage parents that are homeschooling because it can be hard and there can be some hard seasons and there are some things about it that are really worth it. So can you tell us when and why you started for the love of homeschooling? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, originally when I started on Instagram, I had like, I was not on social media at all for years. And um, I just, I eventually started like just a private Instagram account where I would share what we were doing homeschooling with friends and family. And from there, I was encouraged to actually to start a blog, but I was like, I don't have time for that. <laughs> so instead, I started an Instagram account called for the love of homeschooling. And initially I was just sharing our journey, just the different things that we were doing every day. We've evolved a lot in the way we've homeschooled over the years. And so when I first started, we were very much like almost like a nine to three schedule where we were constantly doing different activities and things like that. And so I started sharing that on for the love of homeschooling. And then eventually we went through some different family changes and we stopped homeschooling in such a structured way. And we started to unschool a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And so at that time I changed my handle to this growing life because it ended up, it wasn't a strictly homeschooling account. I was sharing more, um, just more like what we were doing in our lives, kind of lifestyle content, but I still really wanted to have an account dedicated for homeschooling. And so I restarted for the love of homeschooling um, about three years ago just sharing different homeschool encouragement. I started creating resources for my family. I had always, ever since the kids were little, I had created a good bit of the curriculum that we used for group subjects. And so we just started kind of evolving on that, sharing those things. And um, yeah. And now you have a team of 17. Yeah. (laughs) It's been an um, an incredible opportunity. There's so many talented artists and curriculum writers, content creators, photographers, and we've been able to just, um, just friendships that have developed into working relationships. And we just, we have the most amazing team right now. Um, I'm, it's funny. It's kind of like an ongoing joke that I've like, personally, I couldn't draw stick people if I tried. And so (laughs) creating resources without the ability to be artistic is definitely a challenge. And so we have the most amazing artists on our team. right now who just the whole team is just incredible such a great group of women most of them are homeschooling moms themselves 
my daughter actually works for for the love of homeschooling. She does a lot of the recipes and things like that. Wow. Yeah. And so it, it's been a great journey. It's been a great opportunity to work with and connect with other women who are on similar, maybe not the exact same life paths, but on similar life paths. <laughs> you might be on your own there yeah. with your 350 <laughs> square foot home on the rock. But, but you know, what's really cool. I think sometimes when you consider homeschooling, especially as a mom, you often are walking away from a career, not always, yeah. but sometimes you're walking away. And what ends up happening, I think, for a lot of people is that other doors open. Yes. And I think that's a cool thing to talk about. Like Absolutely. you in the past three years have built this team and there's so many women that have walked away from careers and now they're able to team up with you and take their talents and their passions and still be able to use them in a way that really matters in the world. And I know Ainsley Arment does the same thing with Wild and Free. She's very purposeful about giving opportunities to homeschool moms. And so I think it's just a little bit of an encouragement that there's something out there for you. I think that you're not walking away from, you're not walking away from you. Yeah. Stuff comes up and in some ways it ends up being very fulfilling. I think maybe even in some ways more fulfilling like, I think that what I'm doing right now, I could have never imagined mm -hmm. ever, but it's definitely at least as fulfilling as when I was teaching high school math, if not yeah. quite a bit more. So it's just a, a little thing to say that there's stuff out there for you and, and it comes in time. Yeah, absolutely. Quite a few of the, of the um, ladies on the team, they joined the team by reaching out and saying, Hey, I like, you know, I'm homeschooling my kids. Um, you know, here are my skills, my qualifications. I would love to be able to bring in an income to be able to continue to homeschool and support my family. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> like just jump on board. Wow. And so we, yeah, we have a team of, I think it's about 18 right now. And then we also work with, um, about 30 to 50 other contributors, small shops who are, most of them are homeschooling families who create resources, which enable them to be able to stay home as well. And so it's, more of a blessing than I could ever have imagined. Um, when I started homeschooling, I was I was very young. <laughs> I had my daughter. Um, I got married at eighteen. Had my daughter uh, at nineteen, or I guess I would turn twenty by the time I had her. And so I was in university. So for me, it wasn't leaving a career, but it was leaving the path to a career. When I decided that you know what, I'm going to stay home with her. And um, homeschooling, I had no idea. I didn't even know about anything about it. It was just it seemed very natural that. I wanted to be home with her. I wanted to teach her. So I have a huge spot in my heart for parents who have that same desire, but don't have a way to meet it. And so that's part of the reason why for the love of homeschooling, we do our very best to make sure our products are very affordable. We offer weekly freebies so that we have a huge amount of homeschoolers who homeschool basically for free using our freebies. Wow. It's been such a blessing. When the skies open up while others seek shelter, I embrace the rain. Heading to my favorite hike, the raindrops are like a soothing melody, and my Vessies ensure each step is dry and comfortable, turning a simple outing into a rather delightful experience. Whenever my kids and I are stepping into a great outdoors adventure, I love wearing Vessies Stormburst boots to capture the beauty of springtime landscapes. Their robust style is perfect for our nature excursions, adding a little dash of elegance to our outdoor explorations. This spring, Transform how you view wet weather with Vessi. Their Dymatex technology makes their shoes not just waterproof, but a stylish barrier against rain and puddles. 
Whether it's a sudden downpour or a planned seaside walk, Vessi shoes ensure your feet stay dry and comfortable. Embrace the essence of spring with Vessi. From chic city walks to adventurous treks, find the perfect pair for your lifestyle at Vessi.com outside and enjoy an automatic 15% off your first order upon checkout. That's V-E-S-S-I dot com slash outside for 15% off your first order. Eating better is easy with Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So get started today and get after your goals. Some of the things we love about Factor are their two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Our kids love the pancakes, smoothies, and more. And there's a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, including midday bites. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And remember, to sign up and save, we've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash outside50 and use code outside50 to get 50% off. That's code outside50 at factormeals.com slash outside50 to get 50% off. Yeah, it doesn't have to cost much. A library card, yep. use some of those freebies. And people can find those freebies at For the Love of Homeschooling. And right now, yeah. what's going on is a mega bundle. Yes, It's the back to school mega bundle. So this is coming out on Tuesday, August 15th. It's going for three days. So if people listen to it after the three days, then it'll be <laughs> over. But these come up somewhat regularly. Can you tell us what a mega bundle is? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, for about 10 days, we collaborate with 30 to sometimes we've had as many as 50 other shops that all provide um, homeschooling resources or just learning resources if you're not homeschooling. And we come together and we put them all in one big bundle and we sell them for just $25. Uh, Individually, if you were to purchase all the resources, it would be well over $800. And yeah, it's a 10-day sale. We can do them every two to three months. So this one's the back-to-school bundle. We'll have another one in October. So if you are hearing this after, we will have a bundle that's STEAM focused. So um, coming out in October. And yeah, it's just, it's really the best way to stock up on homeschool resources that you can use for years to come. Mm-hmm. Once you purchase the product, it's yours. You can print as many times as you want. They really are great deals. I, I personally, like before I was a part of the whole social media scene, I would go online and look for homeschool freebies in my early days. And I remember buying a bundle myself years and years ago. And so it's just kind of all come full circle. I mean, same, actually. That's so interesting. Same. And I've got one with like recipes and different things that we have continued to use year over year. They become little traditions. Yeah. And so they're really cool. So this is the third volume of the back to school one. People can find the link for it in the show notes. And like you said, they come out every few months. So if you miss this one, there will be other ones to come. And each one is a completely new collection. I'll say that like the first and second back to school bundle, they were completely different than this one. We make sure that each one is brand new resources. So if you've purchased the first two, you'll find a whole bunch of new things. We actually personally, for the love of homeschooling itself, has 25 brand new products included in this um, in this bundle. Wow. 
Yeah, that's so awesome. So lots of amazing things to help people on their journeys. There is this philosopher, and I don't, I can't say his name. It's really long. He's like a Jewish philosopher, and he talks about charity. I thought this was super interesting. I learned it earlier this year, but he ranks the levels of charity. So for example, I would think that the highest level of charity would be giving anonymously. But he said that the highest level of charity is giving someone a job. And so it's a really cool thing what you're providing for these homeschool families, both for the ones that are on your actual team and then the ones that are joining in to contribute. It's great for everyone. So what a cool thing. Lots to learn about at fortheloveofhomeschooling.com. If you had to give advice to a new homeschool mom Mm -hmm. who wanted to know where to start, Mm -hmm. what would you say? I would say start with finding out what interests your child and build from that. I think when you're going from a traditional school setting to a homeschool model, it can be easy to try to just replicate school. But if you look at it like you're learning together with your child and they all learn so differently. So in our home, um, we have some that really do well with books and with audiobooks, And that's the best way that they learn. We have others who are very hands-on. So they need to be building something. They need to be putting something together. So I think my biggest advice would be to find out what your child's interested in and learn together. Look at it as a journey of you learning together. Don't get caught up in you know the to-do lists and the checklists and having to have it all right and all perfect. It's a learning journey for both of you. And one of the principles that I've tried, and of course, I'm not <laughs> nowhere near perfect at it, but in my early parenting days, even before homeschooling, I remember I had two very young children. I was feeling very overwhelmed and stressed quite often. And I remember... Um, the scripture, seek joy and pursue it. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to take that into my days. And no matter what we were doing, I was like, if this is bringing us joy, then we're going to continue with it. And if it's not, then we're going to lay it aside. And I've taken that into homeschooling as well. And it has been just such a blessing. Your kids are really, really good teachers. They're really good leaders. And I think looking at it as a way to learn together, do things that you're going to look back on five years from now and you're going to just smile and be like, we did that together. It's so freeing. Yeah. So what would you say to someone who is really confused by that? Because someone might be listening and be very confused by that, seek joy and pursue it and say, well, what about the things that they have to learn? Or isn't that going to basically give them the short end of the stick for the rest of their life? What would you say to them? Well, I think it's obviously you have to go along and find out what your state laws are when it comes to homeschooling, meet your state requirements, of course. But outside of that, the philosophy that I had in my home was if something was bringing my child, if they were stressed about it, if it wasn't coming easily to them, and if it was something that if there were tears, if there were ever tears over a subject, I would put it away. No questions asked because a child being frustrated about a concept and not able to comprehend something at the age that maybe we're told they need to that's not doing them any favors. That's not helping them. And so that was a principle I had in my home. And it's something that has done my children a world of good because one, they don't feel like they're being compared to others. We don't, like I've had one of my children started reading at three. Another one didn't really start reading until after 10. And now they're all great readers. And so I think a lot of the pressure we put on ourselves now, again, if you have state requirements, you do have to meet those. And so I have to say that. But outside of that, a lot of the the pressure and the stress I think we put on kids to meet requirements at certain ages, that just comes from us. And I know that as a mother, I would I would never want to be compared with other mothers and be like, well, this person is, you know, they make the best sourdough bread when I can't even figure out how to 
how to get it. Right. And so I think that if we, if we don't put that pressure on our kids of comparing them to each other and expecting them to be at certain levels at certain times, figure out how they learn and build memories that you're going to look back on and be grateful for because they'll be grateful for them too. That's a huge statement. I've never thought about that. That what if we took the same model of this is what you need to know in second grade and this is what you need to know by third grade. Mm -hmm. What if we took the same model for adults? Mm -hmm. I actually just had a friend the other day who, you know, they're struggling financially. They've had some mishaps as so many of us do. Mm -hmm. And she said, someone said to her, you're too old for this. (laughs) And I thought, well, how rude. Yeah, that's not very encouraging, is it? No, but it is sort of that thought of when you become an adult, you kind of are free from that. Like you can make your own decisions. You can make your own mistakes. Mm -hmm. You can go at your own pace. And so what a freeing thing to look at our children and to sort of see it through our own eyes. Like, would we want to be like, well, by the time you're 24, you should be able to do this. And by the time you're 26. So that's really an interesting thought. I think it takes some trust. It takes some trust in understanding a little bit of the logic behind it and just rolling it around in your head to understand that kids grow and they grow in their own time in their own way. And it is scarier when it, they're six than when they're 16. Absolutely. Because you've had 10 years to see that it works and that's how it's been in our family. But I would say I was scared for four or five or six years. And then all of a sudden was kind of like, okay, this is working fine. Yeah, Our kids are growing, they're thriving, they're happy. They're learning through living and we do a lot of things together and so it's a great thing but i think at the beginning it does feel a little scary you just have to stick with it and i love that seek joy and pursue it what a great model what do you tell to homeschool moms who are in a spot where it just isn't going as they planned or they're really struggling uh, they're feeling like giving up i would say to well one of the things that um because i've been there too we've gone through so many different seasons in our homeschooling and i definitely i love that you pointed that out but this is me being able to look back and look at you know the last 12 years that we have homeschooled and definitely on in year like four and five i was definitely more worried about when one of my kids wasn't reading at six years old i was like oh no like this is horrible right and it's only now that i look back that i can see that you know what? It all worked out. But for someone who's kind of feeling like giving up, I would say if the plan isn't working, throw the plan away. (laughs) Like If you're set with a certain philosophy and you're like, you know what, we are going to be whatever, Charlotte Mason homeschoolers. If that's not working for your child, look into different alternatives and really Mm -hmm. seek joy, seek the things that are fun because they will learn through those things. And so it's often the parents I find it's like, at least in my personal experience, it's often me that needs to readjust the way I'm looking at things and the way I'm doing things because our kids want to learn. They're like sponges. They want to take up information. Now they might not be super excited to learn fractions when they're, you know, seven years old, but if you can find a subject that they're into and somehow relate them, that works. One of the things that we offer, and we offer these things for free often is we have learning packs that will be themed so that if the kids love dinosaurs, right, they're learning about dinosaurs, but then there's also math in there that they can learn as well. Just things like that. Yeah. Just go with what sparks joy in your child, what makes their eyes light up and what, yeah, what they're interested in and ask them, say, Hey, this is, I feel like this is a little bit stressful for you. I feel like this isn't going well. You know, what would you like to do? What would you like to change? And I know that can be scary from Mm -hmm. a certain perspective, but I think that at least for me, looking back, those are some of the best choices I made. It's interesting because I think that just about every kid, and maybe I could be wrong, but it seems like it, 
that when they hit, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, they end up having things that they're very interested in. So mm -hmm. I played the piano. I was really interested in the piano. I had a brother that was really interested in baseball mm -hmm. and he knew all the baseball stats. And my little niece is super interested in space. So she was talking about the planets and the dwarf planets. Yep. And so, like you said, if you take any of those things, like for me with the piano, you can study history. You can study the old composers. You're mm -hmm. learning math with all the time signatures. So any field of study is cohesive. It includes all of the subjects and it's just such a fun way to learn. I think it makes it easier to remember. So if the kid's interest is already there, mm -hmm. you can know that you could learn all the subjects through that instead of having to have it be broken up. So I think that's interesting. I love that. Throw the plan away. And I've talked about this a bunch of times. People are probably so sick of hearing it. But John Taylor Gatto wrote this book called Dumbing Us Down. Usually I don't even say the title because it's kind of offensive. But it's called Dumbing Us Down. And he's written a couple books. He was a school teacher, a public school teacher. And he says there's ample research to show that it only takes 50 to 100 contact hours for kids to become functionally literate, mm -hmm. meaning they know enough writing, math, and reading to learn anything that they would ever want to learn ever again, 50 to 100 hours. Yeah. And so it's just a freeing number because I think you can have a lot of downtime. You can have a lot of rest time. You could take a couple weeks off and just go on some field trips or yeah. lay around the house and read books and bake. Yeah. And you're not going to fall behind. Your kid's not going to fall behind. There, there is That's a big thing that I know that I've shared about a lot over the years. I know the homeschool conference that um, you and I did together a couple of years ago, that was what my talk was on, was on the concept of falling behind and how it's just, it's not true. If you're not comparing them to anybody else, then there's no way for them to fall behind. Yeah. It's been something in our home um, that I love that you brought up baking because that is one thing that we would pivot to often. I often felt like in February, in February would often be, you know, we've been homeschooling for four or five months. We kind of start to feel some burnout. And so I just put away kind of all the curriculum stuff that we were doing and we would spend the month just doing art in the kitchen, we would learn about different countries and we would, you know, cook the food from different countries and all of those types of things. And I found like that always gave us a really nice break. I love that idea. February is a hard month, yeah. especially if you live in, nor in northern parts of the world and it gets real cold. It's <laughs> yeah. one of the hardest months, I think, of the year. So I love that idea. Yeah, throw the plan away, mm -hmm. do something else, know that your kid isn't going to fall behind. And there's good statistics that say that homeschoolers do fine on standardized tests. So if you get to that point where they want to be a doctor or they want to be a lawyer, they're going to be able to. Yeah, And there are homeschools students, graduates in every realm of life. And so they're going to do fine. They say that the homeschoolers do just as well, if not sometimes better on those standardized tests, and regardless of your methodology. Yeah. Because when you become a homeschooler, you know, people do things very differently. They do this unschool method, following the kids lead. And people do, like you said, Charlotte Mason, and they do classical. They have these different philosophies or a mix of all of them. So mm -hmm. it's not even dependent on philosophy. How about lonely homeschool moms? So for me, I would say for me, the hardest part of homeschooling is the social piece because it rides on our shoulders. Mm -hmm. So if I sent our kids on the bus, they would make their own relationships and I wouldn't have to be a part of it. Though I do know that sometimes there are issues. So for example, when I was growing up, I would always get in trouble with this one other friend. And my parents tried to be like, well, stop hanging out with that friend. But they, you know, they, they didn't have any say when I was gone at school. So it's a thing, right? So I kind of like this thought that no decision that you make is easy. Yeah. There's always hard edges either way. So 
this part of finding friendships and maintaining friendships is difficult, but then there's also difficult things on the other side as well. Exactly. So what would you say to lonely moms who feel like they don't have a support system, especially maybe if they're getting a little bit of flack from family, what advice would you give them? That can be hard. I would say that, um, well, I feel like nowadays homeschooling has become like, it's increasingly uh, becoming more and more popular. And so finding the community, I feel like in most areas might not be as hard as one would think. Um, there are tons of like the wild and free groups are just about everywhere nowadays. I know that we have them way up here in the middle of nowhere, Canada. Wow. Um, and so finding like-minded homeschoolers, if you get online, I know when I first started out, there were Yahoo groups um, where you could connect with other homeschoolers. And nowadays with Instagram, I mean, there are so many opportunities to connect, to learn from others and to have local meetups. A lot of places, if you live close enough to um, a big city, a lot of places even have discounts for homeschoolers. So they'll have homeschool days where homeschool families can come and you can meet other homeschoolers and things like that. So really be purposeful in searching for that if that's something you desire. I know that one of the next projects we have at For the Love of Homeschooling is we started creating a forum. And so we hope to have um, that up and running soon where people will be able to connect with homeschoolers locally and be able to plan meetups and things like that, find those who have similar goals and who follow similar philosophies and all those types of things. But I think you can find it online. And like you said, you have to choose your heart because there are going to be days that feel lonely as a homeschool mom. But on the alternative, there's also, if you were having to work a job away from your kids all day and they were in school, you'd have lonely times too, just in a different sense. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, there are hard things everywhere and you choose your heart and you do your best to make the best of it. And I know that for me personally, I I've connected with so many homeschool families online. And so it might not be, um, it might not be like an in-person situation, but yeah, it's been a long time since I've felt that loneliness. And so I think that for all of the negatives that social media can bring, I think that is one really nice thing is just being able to find and connect with other like-minded parents and families and really not feel so alone. Yeah. I have been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs when my immune system feels unsupported. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel nourished and ready to face the day. As a parent, longevity is on my mind more than ever before. I want to make sure I'm taking really good care of myself so I can continue to show up for the moments that matter with my kids every day. AG1 helps me build long-term health with daily nutrients that support brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm setting myself up for the long run. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash 1000. That's drinkag1.com slash 1000. Check it out. Everyone wants to start their year off on the right foot. And for me, that means making sure I'm eating well and have enough energy to do everything I want to do. 
but I'm not going to run to the butcher every day to get a fresh cut of quality meat. That's why Good Chop is such a lifesaver for our family. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high-quality meat and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule. Their products are vacuum-sealed and frozen at peak freshness, so you can stock your freezer and cook when you want. We had a somewhat last-minute get-together recently, and it was so incredibly convenient to just head to the freezer and pull out a couple bags of Good Chop's hamburger patties to whip up some burgers quickly. They were so delicious. Besides being delicious, it's important to know it won't cost you a fortune either. Good Chop's price per meal starts at just $3.74. Go to goodchop.com outside120 and use code outside120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes. That's code outside120 at goodchop.com outside120 for $120 off. Goodchop.com outside120 code outside 120. I just was on this podcast or I wasn't on it. I had them on. It's called the Boom Clap Podcast. And it was one mom that lives in Canada and then one mom that lives in the States. Mm-hmm. And they they have a podcast, Samantha, but they've never met in person. So you really can form. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought that it was wild. And actually, I just did one with Chicky and Rue with Lauren and Laura and Stephanie, who came out with this book, Nature School. And they've never met in person. So you really can form these deep relationships, I think. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Through things online. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to have a podcast together, to have written a book together, those are huge deals. Yeah. Never met in person. So that's an encouraging thing. I just finished reading Abby Halberstadt has a new book coming out called Hard is Not the Same Thing as Bad. I think that's the title of it. And she has a list in there of 10 or 11 ideas for friendships. And they were really good. It was like, invite people, you know, I mean, that, that's one of them. Yeah. It sounds simple. I know it can, it can be hard and tricky and sometimes you get rejected, but invite people. One of the things she said was do it distracted. And I think that sometimes we wait, we wait until we don't have toddlers underfoot or nursing babies so you can finish a conversation. But I think that those friendships that are forged during those early years are very lasting and you really bond over the situations that you're in. So such good advice for lonely homeschool moms. You have a great article on your blog. So at fortheloveofhomeschooling.com, there's a blog. And one of the articles is 10 things I've learned in 10 years of homeschooling. So a great thing for people to go back and read. And now you're at 12 years. So I'm sure there's some extra things. (laughs) Yeah, we'll have to update that. (laughs) (laughs) But one of the things that you talk about is knowing your why. Yeah. And I think even our whys change. Maybe they don't even change. Like they just get added on to. Yeah. Like our first reason for homeschooling was simply time. And now I have a very, very long list of reasons why we do it. But can you tell us your why? Yeah, absolutely. My why from right from the beginning was time. Wanting to be with my kids, wanting to also be sure that the worldview that they were being raised with was one that my husband and I hold to as well, that we were the greatest influence in their life. I think that especially nowadays, um, as children get older, there's a tendency, and it was the same when I was a teenager too, but there's a tendency where friends and friendships are made to be like the all in all, right? And we always wanted to just have that. We wanted to be our kids' best friends right from the beginning. And so being able to spend all of this time with them, being able to be the ones who are creating memories with them, who they're, you know, if they had an option to go out with their friends, they'd want to stay home in some cases. And so 
that has been, um, again, looking back, it's, it's really nice to see the fruit of that. And when, when you're in it, you can question like, am I doing this right? Am I doing that right? But for us, yeah, it was just, we, we wanted to be with our kids. We wanted that time together. We wanted to be able to um, just build those memories. Mm-hmm. And you're at the spot where it's, if for your daughter, mm-hmm. your years are sort of coming to a close. I know. <laughs> they are. They definitely are. And we're in the same spot where our oldest is going into the 10th grade. Okay. Uh, he's 15 years old and your daughter's 16. Yeah. So, I mean, I tell people I have no regrets. Yeah. And not one. No. My only regrets are the times where maybe I wasn't, um, where I wasn't as active in like, We've gone through some difficult things. I've I've had three stillbirths over the last five years or six years now. Yeah. Um, and during those times, it was often, it was difficult to kind of just, you know, uh, carry on with certain things. And so my only regrets are the time that I feel like I missed. But at the same time, I believe that God is able to redeem the time and he has done that beautifully. And I'm so grateful for the choices that we've made because now, yeah, my daughter, she's 16 and going into grade 11 and she's just, we're just the best of friends. We, yeah, we yeah. such a great relationship. You've had all this time together. Yeah. Yeah. And she's gotten to really delve into her own interests. And I think the thing you, t- I know you talk about your stillbirth online, three sons, mm-hmm. and it is also a way to teach our kids how we walk through really the hardest of things. Yeah. And so even if sometimes it feels like you said, it feels like a regret or a miss, but also they had the opportunity to walk through that with you yeah. and see how you handled it. And yeah, I don't think it's ever a miss. Yeah. When you homeschool, I think you have the time for those really hard and grieving seasons and days and ones that just never really end. It's always there. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's always there. Like we're growing together. And that's the one thing that, um, you know, I tell my kids often, I'm like, you know what, this is my first time being a parent. (laughs) And so we're growing together and we're learning together and just being able to yeah, walk through even the hard seasons and. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to learn because everyone has hard seasons in their life and they look different from family to family, but we do need to have those skills. And I think I felt like you know, I, I liked school. I went to school. I had good friends. I went for 13 years, like most people do. Good friends, good memories, good relationships, good teachers. I learned a lot of things. But then there were also a lot of holes because you do step out of that situation, not necessarily being able to transfer those into a real life or adult life situation. It is real life, but into the adult world. So if you're surrounded by kids, but then you go into a job where everyone's different age or mm-hmm. you find a career where you don't have any coworkers or you, you know like the meal planning the cooking the keeping up with the house the dealing with grief all of those types of things and so it is a benefit of homeschooling to be able to model that even when it seems really hard and even maybe when it feels off like mm-hmm. my kids are missing out but no really they're getting a front row seat to how you build a life exactly that's a beautiful way to put it mm-hmm. and it's it's a good thing for them so you do talk to about exploring outside. You brought it up earlier. You wrote in this post, exploring outside beats sitting at a desk every single time. So of course I had to bring it up since this is the <laughs> 1,000 Hours Outside podcast. Yeah. <laughs> talk to us about just 
ditching the worksheets and ditching the curriculum and heading outside. Yeah, all all the time. Um, it's like I said, especially I don't want to say especially with boys, but in my experience, my daughter uh, she does really well. She's like me. I. I really thrived on like a textbook style of learning growing up. I loved writing. Like I would write essays for fun, like that type of stuff. And so mm-hmm. she's similar in that way. Whereas my boys have quite a bit more energy. And so we'll often just, um, we'll put the textbooks down and we'll head outside and they are just, they're very free to build and to create and to um, explore. And they just love it. They are always, coming up with things and right now (laughs) I'm a little embarrassed to say this but um right now they actually we've been we have a pond on our property and so they have been catching baby um like baby fish and then they're raising them inside the house and so I have like a I have some fish hanging out in my (laughs) 350 square foot house right now and that's over the years I'll have woken up in the morning to like one of them bringing a snake into the bedroom and being like, mom, look what I caught. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's go put it back outside. And they love nature. They love being outside. They catch all the things and they want to watch everything grow. And um, they've had some really cool experiences. We found an injured, um, an, a kestrel. It was a kestrel. And we were able to nurse it back to health. And it would like come to my son's hand and like eat out of his hand and sit on his head. And so they just had some amazing experiences like that. Wow. Yeah, what a childhood. I always think like in the end, if you can be successful in a lot of different ways, Mm -hmm. a lot of different paths can lead to success. Mm -hmm. Then if this one is an option for you, why not choose it? (laughs) You know, if all outcomes in the end are okay, like the homeschoolers are okay, like they're doing great. Mm -hmm. And especially now, like you talked about, it's more popular than it used to be. I think because of COVID, mm-hmm. it's more accepted. I mean, for a long time, it was really hard to even talk about it. People would get pretty upset, yeah. but that has changed. Okay. And so there's a lot of people that are doing it, but there's also a lot of second generation homeschoolers. So people that have grown up and were homeschooled like in the 80s and the 90s, maybe when it was more illegal, Yeah, down to their adults and you meet them and they're great. Yeah. They're not super weird. They have careers. They are interesting. And a lot of times they're pretty self-reliant. And that's a neat thing to see. Like a lot of times entrepreneurs or they're, yeah. they're brave yeah. because they've had time to be able to try things out and they haven't spent 13 years. I mean, I say, like I spent 13 years being told what to do. And then when you try and branch out and become an entrepreneur, you try and set up a homestead off grid. No one is giving you any directions. Yeah. And that can be tricky. Absolutely. And I think that is one of the, you mentioned it earlier about how um, homeschoolers, they'll often do just as well or exceed their peers on standardized testings, things like that. And I think part of the reason is, is because when you homeschool, you have the opportunity to teach them not just what to learn, but how to learn, how to find information for themselves, how to, if they're interested in a subject, they'll know how to go and how to research it, how to learn more about it, how to, you know, all of those things. And so for any parents who 
might get worried about, you know, I want my kid to be a doctor, this or that, and they might not be able to. Well, if that's what your child's passionate about, they'll do okay, right? Like they'll, if, yeah. if you plant those seeds and if you teach them one, one thing too is let them know you're their biggest supporter, that they can do it and that you're there for them and you're cheering them on. And that's where the no comparison thing comes into because if, if a child's constantly feeling like they're not measuring up, they're not where they're supposed to be, they're not all of these things, that's discouraging, right? And sometimes they won't even want to try. And so just letting them know that you're there for them, you're supporting them, and they now have the tools to go and to do and be whatever it is that they desire. Yeah, that's so beautiful. Let's say one more quick topic, minimalism. How Because how did you pare down because seven people and 350 square feet? Oh, yeah, we had to. We definitely pared down a lot. Now, I didn't get rid of all of our school stuff in storage. But for the most part, I've always, I'm not, I'm definitely not a minimalist, but I'm pretty good with letting things go. And so I wasn't too difficult. I miss our book collection. We had a really nice book collection and now we have, we have a smaller book collection, but we still have a good bit. But yeah, it, that part wasn't as difficult for me. Okay. You made it work clothes <laughs> and work. kitchen things. And yeah, this is an incredible amount of skill sets, truly. Like you have the homeschooling, but then you also have this off grid and you built a home and you've learned how to live in cold temperatures. I mean, that's another thing. You're not doing it in Florida. No. <laughs> Not in Florida. <laughs> you know, you're doing it when the temperatures get frigid cold and it's harder to get outside and you're basically in, we live close to an Ikea. So Ikea's got all those small little spaces set up and you can walk through them. Yeah. And 350 square feet is really small. It is. It is. That's funny. What an adventure. Yeah. Well, that's incredible. Well, people want to find more about you and all the things that you offer, which is quite a bit, they can go to fortheloveofhomeschooling.com, on Instagram at fortheloveofhomeschooling and at This Growing Life. If you're listening and you wanna check out the Mega Bundle, volume three for back to school, the link is right in the show notes, easy to find, and there will be more that are to come. So just be sure you're following along for that. Samantha, I really appreciate your time. I think that this is really gonna encourage homeschoolers, especially heading into the back to school season, and I hope that it encourages those who are on the fence. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are on the fence. They're feeling it. They feel like, ah, I really want to do that. And they're wide-eyed about it, but also scared. So I know that this will give them some confidence and a, a little bit of vision and some help to get started. We always end our podcast with the same question. Mm -hmm. So my question for you is, what's a favorite memory from your childhood that was outside? Um... My dad and I used to go for bike rides. My dad, I grew up in Toronto and uh, there were these big hills that would go down to the beach and I would sit on the back of his bike. Um, <laughs> not in a proper seat now that I think about it. <laughs> He'd like strap a pillow to the back of the bike and I'd sit there and hold on and we'd go down these big hills. That was always a lot of fun. <laughs> what a thrill. Yeah. That's so sweet. I love that. Wow. Yeah. There's the little things, isn't it? The little things that we remember. Yeah. And I, I didn't have a ton of outside. Like I was in, I was in regular school. I was in daycare. So I honestly wasn't outside a ton as a kid. So I think I'm making up for it now. Yes, you are. That's awesome. Well, Samantha, I so appreciate this and I love to connect in this way. How do you feel like your first podcast went? I thought it was amazing. 
Oh, it was so fun. I'm so grateful that um, you invited me on. And I hope it's I hope it's an encouragement. I hope that people are just left with knowing that if you have the desire to homeschool, you can do it. Um, you really can. There are ways to make it work. We even have a scholarship program on For the Love of Homeschooling, where we financially uh, do our best to help families, whether through free resources or we have a $500 a month scholarship we give out. And so if you have the desire to homeschool, go for it. You can do it. There's a huge community of moms that are supporting you and cheering you on. And yeah. Oh, I love that. People definitely have to check out for the love homeschooling.com. There's so much. There's so much there. A book club I didn't even get into. Do you want to do a rundown real quick? What are people going to find when they go there? We have three monthly subscription programs. Um, one is a World Explorers Club where each month we go over a new country. So we learn about the country. We cook different meals from the country, do different crafts. We have a nature study club, which is a great way to get outside. Um, and just we explore new nature topics each month. And then we have a bird of the month club where we learn about a new bird each month. Those are all priced very affordably. So yeah, just about any family can join. And then we have our seasonal book clubs. Our next one is going to be released early September and it's going to be a homesteading theme. So it's centered around a whole bunch of homesteading theme books and topics. And we're really excited about that. We have our weekly freebies. We have our scholarship. And then of course our bundles. Yeah. A lot going on there. So a lot of ways that people can find support and community. It's incredible what you're doing. Really appreciate your time. And I hope we get to connect again. This was awesome. It's so neat to be able to talk to you while you're off grid (laughs) in the middle of nowhere. So what a cool thing. Thanks so much, Samantha. Thanks, Jenny. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff.